When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing from the city of Los Angeles. Welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the caregiver's caregiver at caregiverdave.com. Coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26 global audio and video platforms like iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and a whole bunch more. In fact, we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 of Player FM. And number two, Caregiver Podcast on Feet Spot out of the top 60. And number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Um, what caregivers must know before they sell their home. Every now and then, caregivers going to have to sell a house. Maybe it's their own. Maybe it's their loved ones. And there is so much to know. So many mistakes to avoid. Orly Dudei has more than 20 years of experience in real estate, architect, rehabber, investor, realtor, and mortgage loan officer. She does it all. <laughs> and she lives in St. Louis, Missouri with her husband and son. She wrote a book coming out in the spring. It's called Your Home, Your Money. Helping current and aspiring business owners leverage, I'm sorry, homeowners leverage the financial potential of homeownership based on their needs and desires. Before we get started, I do want to take this moment and thank my last guest, Mary Moreland, the author of the book, The Gap Between, Loving and Supporting Someone with Alzheimer's. Just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, www.craigwithdave.com, or on any of our 26 mobile audio and video platforms that I mentioned earlier. All right, enough of that. Orly, so great to have you on the Caregiver Dave Show. I always like to ask my guests just who is Orly Dudai and why was she placed on the serve? Thank you very much for inviting me. So one of the things that for me was fascinating the, the last few months, as uh, you mentioned, dur- during my professional life, I did uh, many different things related uh, to real estate by different And it's really the last year that everything came together. Things that appears not related uh, just gave me more angles to what I'm doing now. It's really to see all the process that can be overwhelming and but really maximize the potential from the financial and the purchase and sell transaction, bringing everything together. So I think today my purpose, as I see it, is to help people navigate this world and make sure that they make the decisions that can most benefit them. You have a saying, uh, are you getting the correct answers to the wrong questions? What do you mean by that? Something very common that if someone want to buy a house, everyone will advise him, first of all, go to a mortgage loan officer and he will tell you how much you can qualify. So if you do that, you'll get the correct answer, how much you can qualify that doesn't mean that that's the amount of money you should ask for because there are many other criterias and it can be more money, less money. So you're asking the questions, you're getting answers, 
but that's not necessarily what can benefit you. Mm. Now, what do you say to your friend or relative who says, oh, I've got my sister-in-law. She is great in real estate. You should call her or somebody else says, you know, I've got somebody. You could... That happens all the time, right? Absolutely. So the first big step is to brainstorm with yourself, with your uh, significant others. What really do you want to get from and what I mean? You want to sell the house. Okay. You want to maximize the potential. You want to sell as, as is. You sell because you just need to sell or you need to buy something else. According to the decision, what really do you need? then you can think if that realtor that it's suggested to you is really a good match. Because if you really should look for multifamily in a certain area that maybe you didn't think about it before as an option, does that realtor has experience in that kind of uh, properties in that specific area or not? So really you need to think what you want and then you know if it's a good match. A lot of people think that, oh, but because they're my friend or they're a relative, they're going to take really good care of me. But that doesn't trump the fact that they may not be a professional. I mean, if, if you needed brain surgery, you wouldn't want your brother-in-law, who happens to be a heart surgeon, to be working on your brain, would you? Absolutely. And actually, it happened to me recently <laughs> that a friend uh, asked me, you know, he just wanted to share that... Uh, a friend wanted to lease his house. So if I lease the house and he was speaking about numbers mm -hmm. and when I begin to brainstorm with him, why do you want to sell? He said, because I want to buy the next home. I said, yes, let's review the numbers. And we realized that he has an excellent mortgage from the days it was on the twos. And he can really buy under certain mortgages plans, his next home without selling. And he didn't have enough to save to retirement. So I said, that can be your retirement plan. And when he realized that the question is not when he leased the house and how much will I or the other friend will charge him, really the question is, does he really need to sell? And he don't. So does he really want to sell? Does he want to be a, a landlord? So sometimes putting aside the friendship and the professionalism, it's really looking it to the next level and understanding what that property can do for you. You need the cash now, you need to sell. Or is it for the long term? I assume he had a positive cash flow by renting it out. Yes, that's that's why. It's really to know that right now he can receive an X amount of money, but in 15 years he can receive a different amount of money and he can move on without the monthly burden of paying that. Well, I assume that he uh, did not owe much on the house or owned it there because the more you owe the less likely you'll have a positive cash flow right yes and but it depends also uh, the area how much is the the rents in that area and also you need to be some backup because you don't want on paper that more or less you break even and it's a house that means unexpected things always happen and property taxes will increase it's not a surprise so you need to be to have the plan for that and then should you really have two realtors, maybe if you're going out of area, one realtor who's, who's familiar with your new area and the uh, selling agent who's familiar with where your house is now, or can one person do it all? One person can do it all as long as uh, they have 
physically access that they're not two hours away. They need to show the house. They need to come in. They need to be present, you know, in certain transaction. You want them to be there. And for the new uh, transaction, it might be that you feel very comfortable that you know the area, but you need help on the logistics on the transaction. Or sometimes you're moving on to a new city and you really want someone that knows the area. Hey, these are great answers. So what should we know about mortgage underwriting? A lot of people don't even know what that means. Yes. When you go to a mortgage loan officer, you want them to say yes to the amount of money you want. Or if you want to make sure that you can qualify to a higher or lower amount. So one of the things that you need to know that it's a must, that it's not based on your income. It's based on the debt to income ratio. That means you can have 50000 a year income and qualifying to a certain amount. And for the same amount of money, you can have an income of 120000 and you do not qualify. Because what they measure, all the monthly expenses on a regular basis, that will be the mortgage, the property tax, the home insurance, and all the in the credit report that you have the monthly payment of cars or if you have student loans. And for the credit card, they take into consideration the minimum monthly payment. So they put everything together and they get a percentage. So usually some programs will try not to exceed around 40, 45% debt to income. Other programs will allow 57% debt to income from the gross income. Now here's what the tricky thing here. So one thing you need to know that a, a lease on a car or a new debt will impact your mortgage qualification because it impacts your monthly payment. But second, let's say there is a government uh, mortgage, the FHA, that can allow you in a cer certain condition up to 57%. That is before taxes. So really, how much money will you bring home? And that doesn't include any transportation, gas, food, medical expenses. So what really is left? So it might be that they'll say yes, but that's not necessarily convenient for you. So one thing, so you, you need to understand those calculations that any debt count and putting yourself in a better position before approaching the mortgage loan officer is a must. So you can qualify for different amounts. Second, if a there is the, the value of the home and the loan amount that you need. So it's called the loan to value and it's also a percentage. If you're a veteran, you can qualify for 100%, zero down. That makes Other program, payment, uh, higher, doesn't it? Yes, but many times that's a different if you can do that or not. Mm. You know, if, uh, for example, if most of the programs, if you put down less than 20%, you'll need to pay the mortgage insurance, and it, it will increase your monthly payment. But then you, know, you need to put all the numbers in paper, what will be your rent or what will be that mortgage? And how much money do you really need to bring to the table? So at the end of the day, many people buy emotionally, justify rationally, and what you need is really to let the numbers talk. Put it on paper. And way before you approach the mortgage loan officer, see, are you in the best position? And let me give you an example. Sometimes you have the unsecured loan. 
that mean a loan that are not against the house and they don't have good interest rate. They can be 9, 10, or 12%. But many times you can take them for a short term, for a year, for two years, and the 12% are very often much less than a credit card that is 20-something percent. So a lot of, you know, friends and clients, when they struggle, you just try to pay a little bit more per month to cover the credit card. But again, sometimes you need to take certain action and have the plan for the next year, the next 18 months, I'll pay that off in that way. And then I move on. So that's why the sooner, the better to analyze the situation. Yeah. You know, they used to say that uh, your mortgage or your rent should never be more than one quarter of your um, income, right? And then uh, during the 70s and the 80s, when we were getting in trouble, they'd say, well, you can go up to one third. I mean, what should it be really to to not uh, fall behind or fall in trouble or go into foreclosure? What's a safe ratio of uh, income to mortgage payment? And that includes taxes and insurance as well. So I wouldn't go on a percentage. Specifically, it's to put numbers on your expenses. Because certain family can have huge expense on daycare because of the age of the kids. Other can have higher medical expenses. So there are certain expenses that you expect without, you know, the unexpected, but you know that you need to cover. And this is your story. And it won't be the same as the second or third person. So after you know all that, put the numbers and then calculate what is your safety area, knowing that home insurance will go up, taxes, uh, property taxes will go up, and then see what is the, the ratio. Because if I'll share with you, you know, 25, 45, 40%, it's not the same, you know, case by case scenario. But isn't it a red flag if if you meet a couple and they're paying, you know, a third of their income on a home mortgage and somebody else is paying half on a home mortgage? I mean, that's that's kind of a red flag to me that half of their income is going just to maintain that house. That that seems like a recipe for disaster, doesn't it? So it depends. First of all, it's a, one of the things that you mentioned that you're absolutely right. When you mentioned 50% of the gross income, so really how much money is left realistically, you know, dollar amount, and is it enough? Second, sometimes for, with the mortgage loan officer, you can qualify just on qualified income. So sometimes you'll have, you'll present a certain income, but you know you have other income. If it's in cash or something that you're holding a job for six months, so you cannot show it to the mortgage loan officer, but you really have more income than what you presented mm-hmm. to be able to qualify. So that's why you need to see realistically what are your numbers. Yes, I'm very concerned if, for example, you can qualify with 57% of the gross income, but then uh, what is left? Definitely, it's a red flag. So how can we really know what our house is worth? You know, like you hate to answer these ads and say, I'm a realtor, just let me know. And because it opens up a whole can of worms. Maybe you're you're not ready to sell, but you're just curious and you'll go to open houses uh, from your neighbors. You know, what's the best way to figure out? I mean, there's a website called Zillow, I think. Zillow.com. Absolutely. How accurate is that? 
I love the website. It is not very accurate, but it, it's in a reasonable range because it's taken average. One of the things that it's really important to understand when you think about the value of the home, don't think about the number that your neighbor sold because when uh, they compare the actual market value, it has to do with the price per square foot and the lever of finishes and the standard of the home. So that means if you have a house that is 1,200 square foot in a certain amount, and you'll see a number, you know, in another house of 1,500 square foot, and the other house, one house looks cheaper than the other, when you really divided how much really is the price in dollars per square foot, you can see that what looks cheaper, it's really much more expensive. So you can use Zillow, but then you need to look specifically, is the house dated? Is it totally renovated? Is it new construction? Also, you cannot compare a split level with a ranch or two stories. So it needs to be more or less in kind, definitely the same area, but also it ends up with the price per square foot. So use the Zillow. I love it. It's, it's great to have an idea, but then do another thing. Put together all the debt on the house. If it's a mortgage, a second mortgage, home equity line of credit, all the numbers, and get the loan to value. That's a percentage. And then you'll know if, for example, all the debt together are 160000 on a 200000 home, that means your loan to value is 80%. Why do you need to know that? Because if, for example, you need some cash, you have a great mortgage, and uh, you don't want to refinance right now. So the lenders will calculate up a certain percentage of your home. That means some of them will go to 75%, some of them to 80%. Do you have equity to pull out of the house? That's why you need to know that. And uh, should people do that? I mean, because they've got to repay it, right? Depends on Absolutely. if prices are going up or down. So there are two things. So first of all, if you have a good mortgage and good interest rate, do, and specifically what the rates are now, do not refinance now because you need to do some cash out. Cash out, it means that you take a totally new mortgage, you pay the previous one, and the difference you get in cash. Because always, as I said, numbers speak, put the numbers, it will cost you much more. Besides of the expense of doing a new mortgage, you probably will have uh, less uh, than ideal conditions. Now, when you take a home equity line of credit, yes, you'll need to pay that. But the question is, what do you need the money from? Is it to cover some very high interest credit card or expense? You can end up paying less per month because how much really is the interest rate that you're paying now? It can be a medical expense. It can be, you know, I remember with a family member that we needed to redo with the bathroom. It was a must, you know, the need and you need the money now. So where it will be cheaper to pay it back. It will always cost. But what are your, your options? If it's a home equity line of credit, you take it, but you need a plan to pay it back. Otherwise, we have a problem. Yeah. Are you a fan of reverse mortgages if, um, if they need money and, and uh, uh, let's say the loved one um, doesn't want to go into a nursing home, doesn't want to move in with the kids? I mean... When should you and when should you not consider a reverse mortgage? 
if you have no other choice and you need the money, that's the bottom line. You need, you need that to survive. You need that to live. Yes, absolutely consider that. What uh, I would like to check actually in a much earlier stage is the house where you are now, where you should be. Sometimes, you know, it was great when you bought it from budget, from the layout, from yes, stairs or no, bedroom on the first floor or no. You know, it was good for a certain time. Many times it's emotionally attachment that you don't want to leave your house. So I would divide also before considering reverse mortgage or not is because you feel comfortable in the home and you don't want to leave it or you really have other options, but you don't like to think about the option of leaving your home. And uh, just people need to know, for example, when uh, it, you can qualify for a mortgage as a primary resident, it can be up to four units. That means you can buy a duplex, a triplex, or a quadruplex, mm -hmm. and under the qualification of primary resident. But then mm -hmm. you have three other tenants that can help you pay your mortgage. So do you have other options to make it easier on the financial burden, you know, to find the place that fit you best? Or in that case, if it's a family member, but you want the privacy, so you actually go on a quadruplex in a good condition, but each one have privacy and you can have two other tenants. You know, just think out of the box in numbers. What is the best option? And then, of course, you need to qualify for that. And going back that the, the first question you asked me that the mortgage loan officer will tell you how much you can qualify. If you have tenants in place at, in some of the units because you want to live in the others, some banks will not take that into consideration. Others will the moment you show them a contract. That means even though that multifamily costs more, it will cost you less out of pocket. So that's why always know, know your op options and work the numbers. Does it work when um, when you try to time the market, for example, if, if you know that we've hit the top of the price appreciation and you sell your house to get the best price and then your logic is, well, we're going to rent you know, for a year or so after things crash and then we can go and look yeah. among the rubble and, and pick up you know, a fixer-upper or something like that. Um, is that uh, a model that really works? Because you hear about it a lot on... on uh, television from these uh, flippers, you know, and I, I understand you, you do flippers, right? Yes, I, I wouldn't do that. And I'll share, share with you why. First of all, if you sell now, do you have where to go? Where are you going? Do you have another unit? Do you rent? What do you do? Second, let's see the market now, for example. Good things are flying. There is a time that people were afraid that the interest rate are so high from the other hand, you don't have those bidding wars like a year ago. So many times it's even more convenient to buy now, you know, and refinance in a year or two. And then the other scenario that when the interest rate will come down, I do expect that it will be a very intense bidding wars. Absolutely. And you know what? Many people, as you, you're so right that you hear all the time, the crash is coming, the crash is coming. Meantime, I don't see any crash. And properties that are a lot of time in the market, when you go there, you understand immediately. There's some problem. There's some, some issues. What is market in a fair price 
will go fast right now. Yeah. Well, I, I think we were both around in 2008 when we saw what happened and it was very quick and rapid. And, you know, of course we had some subprime mortgage. There was a reason for it, but um, uh, a lot of people say that they've never really fixed the problem. You know, they've just printed money and stock market has taken off and real estate's taken off, taken off on fake money. And that's why they're expecting a crash. Um, what's your opinion of all of that? I do see the demands of the mortgage underwriting. They're much more severe. You know, people do check. People do want to make sure that you qualify. That's why, remember when I mentioned before that certain banks will take into consideration an income of a tenant in a multifamily. Others will say no. And until I don't see it in your tax returns in uh, Schedule E, I don't take it into consideration. So there is difference between banks, but everyone are much more careful than before. Yeah. A lot of uh, caregivers need to downsize their loved one, um, maybe into a uh, less expensive city, maybe into, uh, like you said, they bought this big house and, and when the kids were all around, now the kids are all gone and it's just you, you know, maybe it's you and your husband. You really need all those rooms, all that space, all the stairs. Are, are single levels more popular than um, the, uh, the double level? Definitely. The, at least many, many of people, many people look for the master on the first floor. It can be two other rooms that you don't use when the kids are coming, but really for the everyday life, even as a precaution, you don't want to take the stairs. And something that many times I ask myself in my personal life and, and you know, and friends, as life evolves, do you serve the house or does the house serve you? Because in the beginning, yes, always the house serves you. But there is a point in life that it's convenient not to be emotional and really think if it's that this is the right choice to stay or to move, even though for many people it can be very hard, you know, to, just to think about leaving your neighborhood. Yeah. Well, we're almost out of time. Why don't you take the next uh, five minutes and just um, actually three minutes and um, talk about something that you were hoping we'd talk about but didn't yet. And then you can tell us about your book and how people can get it and what uh, you hope people will get out of it. The most important thing for me is just the people to understand that you need to set up your own goals before approaching your team, before approaching the realtor or the mortgage loan officer. And just after you set up your goals, that mean what really do you want from the next purchase? Just something that I can afford, something that in 10 or 15 years I can sell and make some money, or just to make sure you know what really do you want from that property? Based on that, you need to deduct what kind of property do you want? Are we, you're really going on a multifamily as a primary resident, you're going on a single family, you're going on an apartment, and as you narrow down, not because of what the mortgage loan officer told you or the realtor, really what can benefit you, you think realistically, you know, what are the numbers, what you can afford. So it's really to take out from that, that you need to analyze and put your goals before approaching anyone, you know. Second, then you need to take uh, into consideration the qualification, the underwriting, and do you need to work on your budget and on your numbers 
before beginning the process. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was an awesome experience and we learned a lot. And um, to all those uh, who are listening, I just want to remind you that all our live shows become recorded podcasts and videocasts on your favorite platforms. And my newly released number one book, From the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times, is spreading wisdom all over the world. Uh, it's available wherever books are sold and also on my free membership website, caregiverdave.com, which you should be a member of. It's a community of 34,000 caregivers where you'll learn all about my new caregiver wellness retreat mastermind in Acapulco that I offer to burnout caregivers. And uh, we're trying to save those 30% who die before their loved ones do by getting them away and getting them to relax and recharge their batteries. So remember to click the like or follow button on whatever platform you're watching and listening to this interview on. It helps us reach even more caregivers by improving Google's search engine algorithms. Thanks again to all my listeners out there all over the world for tuning in every Wednesday and making us the number one caregiver podcast on the internet. So until next week, same time, same channel. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Dave Nassani, otherwise known as Caregiver Dave. And I'm coming to you live from this beautiful Acapulco Villa, which I like to say is the perfect prescription for caregiver burnout. And I have a unique opportunity to bring 14 burned-out caregivers up here so that they can decompress and do all the things that they need to do. But this is just a bonus it actually comes with the six-month Zoom coaching program. It's a one-on-one -on -one consult with me, Caregiver Dave, to identify where you are and where you need to go. It's a six-monthly small group coaching sessions to smash any obstacles between you and your ideal vision of what a caregiver needs to be and caregiver success. You get my three free books and instructions on boundaries, grief, self-care, organization, asking for help, learning how to say no, avoiding burnout, avoiding depression, avoiding perfectionism, avoiding isolation, avoiding resentment, delegation, team building, how to have fun, how to have no guilt, the importance of gratitude, and after caregiving when you're no longer a caregiver. But this seven-day bonus is absolutely free. It comes with the coaching program that you pay for. And the food is all inclusive. I'm telling you, seven days and seven nights here is amazing. This is truly paradise. And I highly recommend it. For more information, go to caregiverdave.com. That's going to send you to my other website. And if you want a shortcut to get there immediately, just go to acapocodave.com. Thanks again. I look forward to seeing you in Acapulco. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing.